Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Welcome to the next podcast of mikvah.org. Um, this one is in honor of Rosh Chaydesh Elul. And my name is Batya Rosenblum. I am a shlacha in Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, which is around Pittsburgh. And I am a certified Kala teacher from mikvah.org. I want to thank them for their amazing work. And uh, tonight we're going to try to address some of the questions that have come in. Um, hopefully with some helpful tips and things for people to take away. I would like to dedicate my part of this, Eloi Nishmas, my mother, Adel Rezel Bas Avram David, should be Aliyah for her neshama. To begin with for today, I found it very much Ashkach Pratis. Um, today's date is Chaf Av. And in the Hayyayim of Chaf Av, the Rebbe writes about how, just like when we do many of the mitzvahs, we feel them physically. Like for example, Thurav mentions the mitzvah of tefillin. We feel the weight on the hand, the tightening of the straps on the arm, etc. So too, the mitzvah of avas Hashem and yiras Hashem has to be something that we really physically feel. And the Rambam teaches us that when we have the mitzvah to love our spouse, and in a very physical way, the physical love that Hashem planted for the, between husband and wife, that love that's there between the two of them, that gives us a taste of what it means to love Hashem. We have the mitzvah of Hashem the mitzvah of Avas Hashem. And how is it possible for us finite beings to be able to love Hashem who's infinite? So Hashem planted this love within husband and wife and the very physical love between us is one that gives us a taste of what it means to have true Ahavas Hashem. So I thought that was very much Ashkacha Pratis and connected to the topic and the many of the questions that um, we're going to look at today. Just a couple of pointers, of course. Um, Nothing here is a psaq, and everyone should have their rav that they speak to with any halachic questions that come up. Um, and of course, there are mentors from mikvah.org that are happy to discuss and um, answer any other questions that they could be helpful with as well. So we'll begin with um, some of the questions that came in and try to share some thoughts with them. The first question is that sometimes after intimacy, I feel that it was just a physical experience and there was nothing holy about it, or even that it was an act of connection with my husband beyond the physical. Not because of anything wrong or uncomfortable happened. Um, the motions are usually the same as usual. After those intimate experiences, I don't feel that special connection and closeness with my husband that I normally feel, and it doesn't feel good. What is missing and how can I ensure that our intimacy is and feels like a loving, holy experience each time? 
So I think that for this question, let's let's understand first, what does it mean when something is holy? And then we can address it within the realm of intimacy. So if we're looking for it to be a holy experience, okay? So what does holy mean? Holy means something is Kaddish when we're fusing the Gashmias and the Ruchnias together. We take something that's very physical and we elevate it and we, we make it holy by bringing it connected with something very spiritual. We take the physical table and we learn on it and we eat kosher on it. We take food and we say a bracha on it. So we're fusing the physical and the spiritual together and thereby we make it holy. And we have such a clear example of this when it comes to the act of intimacy. We have the greatest of physical pleasures together with the ability to reach the greatest of spiritual heights, which is something that's very hard for our minds to be able to grasp. Understandably so. We're physical people. And yet we know, and the Torah teaches us so clearly, that the, the spiritual kaychas that are available at that time are very, very great. And that's why we need the proper conditioning, the proper preparations, etc. So the idea of this being a time of Kedusha, that's what it is. When we are coming together physically, prepared in the proper way, as the Torah wants us to be, then our union is Kaddish, it's holy. We know that the thoughts that we have during intimacy affect the creation of a child or the creation of anything spiritual that's being made at that time, as we know that many times it's not possible for a physical child to be created. And I remember learning that it's it's a very hard thing to be able to, to do at times. But if we can, even for a fleeting moment, have a thought of something holy, whether it's the letters of the Aleph phase or the image of a tzaddik, the Abisher takes that fleeting moment, that thought, and glues it to whether it's the creation of a child or the creation of a something spiritual that will be an advocate for us or whatever it is at that time. And it remains with that forever. One little tiny holy thought that we had during that time. But even more so, just knowing that the the beauty in the mitzvah of the physical love between husband and wife is Kaddish. It is holy. It is the mitzvah. So even if we cannot get to having those thoughts, we should know that the thought of the love that we have for our spouse, that is holiness. And never to underestimate that. And as an example for this, I would like to share I heard with regards to wine. You know, sometimes we have wine that we know is used for mitzvah. We have the Arba Kaisais, we have wine for Kiddush, etc. That's clearly wine that's being used for mitzvah. Then you have a Shabbos table and a guest comes and brings a bottle of wine to enhance the Shabbos meal. Again, so that's enhancing a mitzvah. Maybe not the mitzvah itself, but it's to enjoyment and to to enhance the mitzvah 
And then you have a situation where you can have husband and wife sitting down after a long, hard day and each sitting with a glass of wine to be able to unwind, to connect, etc. It's not necessarily a mitzvah on that wine, but that's bringing husband and wife closer together. That's holiness too. So each one of them is levels of Kedusha. It may not be the mitzvah itself, but it's different realms of Kaddish, different realms of Kedusha. And not always are we always going to feel that highest level, but that's okay. We're human beings. Just like within Kedusha, there are levels. Um, when we think about the place of Kedusha, the ultimate place of Kedusha, the Beis HaMikdash. So we have the Kaddish Kedushim, which was the greatest concentration of Kedusha, and with the Kaddish and the Azara, and then people coming to it. So there's different levels. And not always are we going to be on the Kaddish Kedushim level, but that's okay. So I think it's important to just keep that part of that point in mind that we may not always feel that holiness or that level of holiness, but to know and to never underestimate that the love that we have between husband and wife during this mitzvah, that is holiness in and of itself. Okay, um, next question that I would like to address. I remember my college teacher saying, you can stay together for 30 minutes after intimacy, but my husband often falls asleep or wants his space to go to sleep. Is the 30 minutes just a suggestion slash nice idea, or is it something more? I would love to have that time together, but I don't know how much I can ask for as our lives are busy and it already is late at night. It's a good question. And um, it's not, I think the first thing is I, I'm not aware that there is an exact time that it has to be the 30 minutes afterwards to be together. But rather, that's a time of emotional closeness. And that's what it's there to provide. So it's not measuring it on the clock and the amount of time. And for some people, it could be shorter and some people it could be longer. So the 30 minutes, I don't believe, is something that's said. I personally have never heard that. Um, but see what can be done to help that situation so that maybe you're less tired. What can be changed up a little bit, whether it's the frequency, whether it's taking a nap during the day, whether it's getting extra help so you can be less tired. Um, but what's important is that you communicate. If you would like to have more time, communicate that. Because sometimes the husband won't even know. We know that Bagash means the husband gets more tired afterwards, after relations. So that's an important thing to be open and uh, to communicate with. And of course, if this is an area that still needs to be addressed, a woman should feel that she always has someone to talk to. The instructors in mikvah.org make themselves available for this. Um, but it's always important for a woman to have a woman that she can look up to and ask any questions that come up in this realm of Tarsa Mishpacha and these areas of our private life to be able to help it and to enhance it. Okay. Um, number three, 
how do I avoid the isser of having Kaddish thoughts in a bathroom during my Hafifa process? For example, when I'm sitting in the bath for a while and I'm thinking about going into the mikvah and what I want my intentions to be. So this is, I'm not sure there's an isser about the, having those thoughts of if it's preparation for the mikvah, um, but if there's something more involved in that, one should speak to their rav. Uh, perhaps having soft music is something that could help that situation. Um, but if there's more on that to be directed to, to a rav and see if the, that is even an issue of that being an isser. Okay. Um, our next question. I've been married for five years and I have been pregnant slash nursing that whole time. Is two to three times a week for intimacy still suggested or is once a week good? So the first thing that I want to do for this question is I want to pause and say, Baruch Hashem, you have a lot of brachas in your life. And let's stop and say a special tefillah and have in mind those who are waiting desperately for the bracha of Zarachaya the Kayama. May it come to them in a smooth and open and revealed manner without difficulties. And uh, may they be benched with whatever they need. Okay, so there is recognizing the brachas that we have, of course. Um, back to the question. Is two to three times a week for intimacy enough, being that the woman mentions that she's been married for five years and been pregnant slash nursing the whole time. Um, is that um, suggested or is once a week good? So really it goes to what works between you and your husband, what works for this couple. And that's why it is crucial that you're open and you have that communication about this very subject, what works for you. Um, for some people, if you have it in the routine and you know which nights you're expecting to be together and to have relations, if that helps, that's good. But I think it's also important that there should be an open feeling to being spontaneous as well. Be flexible about that because that's a beauty in this, in our relationships. When we can we can have times that there's it's set in routine and that's important. So we know we can expect it and look forward to it. And there are other times that we can be open to being spontaneous and enjoying each other's physical company that way. A, a, an example that comes up with this is the Shabbos meal. You know, sometimes we have, we prepare and we have many, many salads and the table set like, you know, like royalty and so many desserts and all different kinds of things. And then sometimes it's a very simple Shabbos. It's Shabbos, nonetheless. It's the Shabbos table, nonetheless. It's the Shabbos Suda, nonetheless. But sometimes it's more elaborate and there's more preparations, etc. And sometimes it's much more in a simple way, but the beauty and the mitzvah is there the same way. So sometimes our relations are more planned, so to speak, and sometimes more spontaneous and allow yourself to be open to the beauty of both. But key is communicating with your spouse about it. Okay, um, next question. 
at what age do we stop touching in front of our children? Um, for this, this is a question that I did look into and was recommended that everyone should speak to their own Rav about. Okay. Um, our next question. Okay, our next question is, um, thank you for this amazing podcast. In one of the class classes, it was mentioned that going to the bathroom after relations reduces the chances of UTI. Is this for the man or lady or both? So this is for the woman, for the lady to be able to flush out anything that should not just be sitting there from relations that possibly could cause um, a urinary tract infection. Our next question is, um, I have learned or has been explained to me as long as I have understood that within our values, foreplay cannot be separated from BIA. I wish there was a place in our lifestyle for physical affection or cuddling without it needing to be lead up to the mitzvah. Does physical affection without the goal of BIA have a place within a Chabad lifestyle? What physical contact is a couple allowed to have without needing to culminate in intimacy? I'd really appreciate it if you could be specific. Can you hug? Can you kiss? Can you just plain touch each other? If yes, in what way and for how long? This linking between general physical contact and the requirement to lead to BIA seems to not value um, an individual's general need for physical contact. It's almost like before touching, one needs to know whether they are committed to BIA. And isn't there room for fluidity and general physical closeness just as an end in itself? Um, okay, um, I'm sorry, which I would imagine is an interest for many women, um, not so much for men. I wonder if I've understood or is up to the man to determine what amount of physical contact will arouse him and therefore not be okay without Bia for fear of Zara Lavatella. This question is written in a lengthy way for clarity, but is really one very important question. I hope you can be clear and specific in this answer and address the, the underlying very true need here. Okay, so it's a good question. It's an important question as are all of these. And of course, let's begin with saying that in our relationships, the physical closeness and the physical contact and physical touch is very important. It's encouraged, it's special, it's treasured. And what's uh, important to note is that especially in the beginning, in the beginning of our marriages, we have to be sensitive to the fact that the husband is learning his own body and to see how quickly he does become aroused. And of course, that it should not lead to Zara Lavatala. So it should be at a time that both are mutually okay with the, the extra physical touch or hugging or kissing in the privacy of their own room. And to be mindful that knowing how long or how much is okay before he feels like it's going to lead to the act of BIA. 
So it's a beautiful thing. And with time, and they can and they learn what could work best for them in terms of timing and how long it's hard to say how long that could be because for everyone it's different but the fact that the, the beauty in the physical relationship that we have and the necessity that we have for our physical closeness is certainly there and it's encouraged that we express that privately between ourselves when we're mutually both on the same page with that. And at the same time, being sensitive that if, especially if the husband feels, because he's obviously the one that we're dealing with here, feels like it could lead to Bia, then we need to know when to stop it. And in a, in a healthy relationship, that's something that the wife should be sensitive to as well. And of course, if someone has more on this or would like to discuss more on this, it is important to bring it up with someone who you feel comfortable with. And there are um, mentors and instructors on mikvah.org that are happy to discuss this as well. Our next question is, okay, um, I believe our last question for today, and then um, a summary with ending blocks. Okay. Um, I'm gonna read it first and then I'm gonna divide it up. I struggle a lot with Bidikas. I have experienced a lot of disappointment and frustration when on day three, four, one time, even day seven, the Rav says Bidika is no good and I need to start the count again. I feel a lot of resentment and tension around this mitzvah, starting from as soon as my period starts until I've done that last fadika. Any suggestions as to how to deal with it? Thinking about the beauty of the mitzvah, et cetera, is not working for me. I also feel like it's unfair that as the wife, I have to deal with all of the constant pressure, being aware of shkia, the discomfort of bedikas, the awkward timing, et cetera. While for my husband, it's so simple. He just waits until I tell him I'm ready for mikvah. Any tips? Welcome. Okay, so I do want to break this up when addressing this question. Again, the first part is going to be, I struggle with badikas, experience a lot of disappointment and frustration when on day three, four, one time even seven, the Rav says the badika is no good and to have to start again. And um, feeling a lot of resentment and tension around the mitzvah starting as soon as my period begins. Okay, so this this is a, a understood. There's there's there are feelings here that need to be validated, and it's difficult and it's challenging if that's the situation. The first, let's break it up. Um, we know that generally the mitzvahs are drachecha dark pleasant way Mrs. Hashem should bring us happiness and should be done in a happy way so generally speaking if things are much more complicated and you're getting many more you know you're getting a lot of shilas that are not good then it needs to be looked into so let's break it up first of all it could be from the to check out, is there anything from a physical point of view? Perhaps there's a maka, perhaps there's a 
an internal cut. Perhaps there's something else that's causing issues there that needs to be looked at. Um, a bodeket could be someone who's very helpful to be able to look at this and see what is going on. Um, and because it, it's not normal, it's not usual that there should be so many complications. Obviously, if there are, it needs to be addressed. Is it something physical? Is it something more of a medical issue that needs to be discussed with the doctor? Or perhaps Taharenu, which is an amazing organization that helps women in so many ways to be able to get to the mikvah to become Tahar. So I'll just put it out there. The number for Taharenu is one 4 Tahara, T-A-H-A-R-A. Um, that is their international number and they can be reached um, online, Taharenu. They are there to help us. They help kalas, they help married women to do whatever they can, um, especially if they're having a lot of staining issues to see what can be done. They are not doctors, but with that information, you can have more to present to the doctor or you can go to the doctor and then let Taharenu know what you found out. So that's from the, um, the aspect of what's going on physically with the body, whether it's doctor, whether it's bodekas, whether it's with Tarenu to see what can be done from a medical point of view. Then from a halachic point of view, what can we do to be in touch with a rav? Um, there are several things that a rav may say, such as perhaps minimizing the amount of bedikas if bedikas are an issue. Um, and there are other halachic ways that a rav can suggest if a woman is finding extra staining and extra problems with staining. And I think it's very important to keep in mind that, and I say this as a call teacher who taught for a number of years with the idea of l'chatchila, we teach that there should be the 15 bedikas, the hefsatara, and the 14 bedikas, two of each of the shavanakim, leading up to tefillah. And that's l'chatchila. If you, if you forget, so then bedieved, at least that there's the hefsatara, there's one on the first day, there's one on the seventh day. But I will tell you from personal experience that that having heard from especially Mrs. Khani Ackerman a presentation that she gave, and she was underscoring the point that when a rav tells you for your situation to do less bedikas, that's your lechatchila. That's the best way for you to do this mitzvah. And yes, you may have learned, as I did, the beauty that comes with each of those 15 bedikas and the brachas that come with each of them. But know and remember that if you are told by the Rav this personalized prescription to do less, then those brachas are coming to you in a concentrated way. In a small, just by doing less bedikas, you're getting that same amount because that's your lechatchila. And that's a very important point that I personally had to register and, and to internalize. And I think that that's something that women should know in general, because if that's what you're, you're told to do by the Rav, that is the best thing for you to do. And you're not losing out, of course, on anything. So that's from a halachic point of view. 
we mentioned from a medical, physical point of view, from a halachic point of view, and then of course, an emotional point of view. It's it's very difficult. It's important to have someone that you can speak to, which goes back to another question that I had mentioned earlier. A woman always should have someone who they can look up to and feel comfortable to pick up the phone to ask any and all questions that come up in the area of Tars Mishpacha. Um, and hopefully with these tools, we can help to minimize the frustrations that are there so that the beauty of the mitzvah can really be coming to the forefront as it really as it is, but maybe not always felt. Now I would like to address the next part of the mitzvah. I'm sorry, the next part of the question. Um, I'm sorry, there is one other thing that I do want to say, and that is that always remembering that the Rav is there to bring husband and wife closer together. And the sensitivity of the Rav, especially when things are more challenging, it is can go such a long way. Even if you're not getting an answer, that means that you're Tahar. And I'll give you a per personal example of a time that I had some Shilas that came up at a time that I was already well into my count and the rub said to me, I wish I could tell you that it's okay. Just hearing the way it was presented to me with that sensitivity already felt better. Obviously it didn't change the situation, but I knew that there was sensitivity there and there was someone who really cared. Okay, now let's look at that second part of the question. Thinking about uh, the beauty of the mitzvah, et cetera, is not working for me. I also feel like it's unfair that as the wife, I have to deal with all the constant pressure, being aware of shkia, the discomfort of vidikas, the awkward timing, et cetera, while for my husband, it's so simple. He just waits until I'm ready and I'm ready for mikvah and I tell him. Okay, so first of all, yes, validating that there are a lot of details involved in this mitzvah. Um, let's turn it around, okay? Yes, there are a lot of um, details involved. It's a big, tremendous achrayis, but it's also a tremendous chos. And let's turn it around and remember it that way. And the Abishter chose someone who he knew he could entrust with this mitzvah and know that it's in good hands. We have the ne'emmanus, we have the, the trustworthiness. Um, the two qualities that are necessary for this mitzvah are Yerushamayim and Tznis and our modesty. And sometimes you may feel like, whoa, I don't have that amount of Yerushamayim or right now I don't feel like that. But guess what? We do have it. Sometimes we need to dig deeper. It's there. And when things are a little bit more challenging, we need to work a little harder to access that. And to remember another point that instead of putting it as why do I have to do it and he has so little to do, but rather think of it as, you know, when a special guest is coming, we want to host. It's an honor. 
So the Abishad chose us, the women, to be the hosts of these neshamas as they're transitioning mitachas kisei covered all the way to this world. And it's because of our qualities that the Abishad chose us. So it's a schos, it's, it's a tremendous schos that the Abishad gave us. And yes, it comes with a chrais and it comes with details, but let's try to remember the schos that it is. And on a practical level, it's very important if a woman feels this way to be able to communicate what we've said a few times tonight, communicate with her husband in a respectful way so that he can validate her, her feelings if she feels frustrated or however she feels. Be open about it. Um, sometimes, he may not even realize and communicate what would be most helpful for you as you're doing the preparations to get to mikvah. So there should be less stress, more calm, whether it's helping out with bath time or with supper or making sure this part of the house is clean or picking up supper, something, whatever it is that would make it more relaxed and in a better frame of mind for you as you're preparing for this mitzvah. Communicate. Communicate, communicate. And another point is that some chasanim are taught that this is an area that the kala is going to learn about and she'll she'll take care of that. So sometimes it's not even like a, certainly anything with an intent, but rather that's how they learned. And so that's what they assume. But if you explain it and say, this is the part that I really need help with to be able to do the mitzvah in the right frame of mind with the positive energy that I want to have for it, that could go a long way in a, obviously, in a loving, healthy relationship. And then, of course, the physical parts that the husband could help out with, like bringing the shilas to a rub or helping out with the calendar if necessary. Those are, those are things, whatever that can ease her mind and know that he is on board with her and he's helping her in whatever way possible um, to help her in this. It's also important that I think as women, if we have someone that we can look up to and respect and say, wow, this is an example when I perhaps am struggling in this issue, I can look up to this person or I can speak to this person and I can check in with them to get the chizuk that I need so that I can see the beauty of the mitzvah in the bright way that it is. Another point on this that I do want to share is, and this was stressed to me by the Rav, that, you know, when someone important is coming to town. Everybody wants to drive them, like we said, to host them, to show them around, etc. Everybody's vying for that opportunity. It's a simple person, whatever, let them take a taxi, let them take an Uber, I'll even pay for it. But it's, it's not, but if it's something that's precious and dear and important, then we don't want to pass it along. So if we remember that this is like a gem 
this mitzvah is a gem that's precious to us as Jewish women, then we will come to appreciate that yes, it is, we are the ones that are doing the bedikas and the checking and the shkia and the hafifa and all those, all the different parts of it. But that's because it's precious to us. And we were entrusted with this gem to take very good care of. And we don't want to pass it along. And now I'd like to end off um, connected to this with um, a story that I did mention the importance of looking up to other women that can help inspire us in this mitzvah. And so I'd like to share with you a way that I personally have been inspired. And it has been from a woman that I took to the mikvah for the first time. Um, she grew up in a very reformed background. And after coming to a few women's classes and understanding that there's three mitzvahs of the woman, just from learning at our women's group, um, she said, Chala, she does. Shabbos candles, she does. She never heard about mikvah. So it would be the logical thing as a, an intelligent Jewish woman to be able to at least give it a shot. And Baruch Hashem, she did. We learned together and it was a beautiful experience. She took on this mitzvah and shortly thereafter, I get a phone call. And the phone call is as follows. She says, Baya, I need to go to the mikvah Friday night. And I drive anyway. Now remember, a point that I did not mention earlier is that I live in a place where there is no mikvah walking distance. So I was very nervous to call the rub for her. I always tell her, I'll, I'll be happy to call the rub for you, make it as comfortable as possible. But I was nervous. I thought to myself, what in my life can I compare to the tremendous Mrs. Nefesh that she has had taken on this mitzvah? Nothing. I couldn't think of anything. And I said, don't worry, I'll call. So I called the Rav and the Rav told me that even if she drives, mikvah cannot be a reason for her to drive on Friday night. And it would have to be postponed to Matzah Shabbos. So I swallowed hard and I picked up the phone and called her and let her know that. She said, okay, but Saturday night, she has company coming in and from out of town and they have symphony tickets and that's not going anywhere. That definitely was going to be, you know, not being moved. So I said, okay, how about if I speak to the mikvah woman and I see if we can arrange an appointment for you after the symphony is done? She said that that could work. And I did that. And she ended up going maybe close to midnight. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, that's like modern day Masira Snafesh. That's what I thought of it as. And I also made me think, you know what? I think Hashem knows. I live where I live. There's no mikvah yet in walking distance. So Hashem has orchestrated such that I don't, I didn't need to use it on Friday night or even on Yantif. Well, guess what? Not so long afterwards, guess who needs to use the mikvah on Friday night? And I thought to myself, this is going to be hard. This is going to be very difficult. And then I said, you need to dig really deep 
and get a piece of that mysterious nefesh that my friend had. My friend who did not even grow up in the kind of lifestyle that I had, but she knew if this is what needs to be done and she needs to wait another night, that's it. And it's happened a good amount of time since then. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, we have begun the plans for a mikvah where we live. But I think to myself how her staunch commitment to this mitzvah that she just took on and leading such a different lifestyle has given me the strength when I needed it most. So may we all find the strength that we need and be able to inspire each other on this in this beautiful mitzvah and um, really be able to see the time when there should be no tumma at all in the world with the coming of Mashiach Tzidkenu. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.